Welcome to this month's Leadership Foundation Sidious Playground Whispercast. And of course, a whisper is an introduction to an upcoming full-length podcast. And that gives you some time to do thinking and maybe even some reading if you want to. It also allows you to ask questions and make comments that will be included in the upcoming podcast on this topic. And you can send any of your input to leadershipfoundations.org. And we'll give you some additional info in a bit. Uh, to understand why we call this precursor a whisper, you can see our Why Whisper podcast on the Leadership Foundation podcast list. So that's always good. And I'm your host, Rick Enlow. I'm here with Leadership Foundation president and author of Sidious Playground, Dave Hillis. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well, Rick. Thank you. And you're also lying because you've been a little under the weather, but you're tough. You're hanging in there. Yeah, I, uh, I do. I have uh, granddaughters now that uh, are walking Petri dishes. Yes. And I'm uh, the recipient of that. So. Yes, I know. I've, I've, uh, I know what you're talking about. I you know. know you I sometimes do. have said, Hey, just can't wait to see those beautiful little bundles of joy and, uh, acquaint myself with every rhinovirus in the County, you know, that kind of thing <laughs> happens, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm very excited about the, uh, the uh, full length podcast coming up where we're going to talk about, um, engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill, but we're going to tie that into, uh, the sort of leadership pitfalls from author, and I think humorist, if I think he wouldn't mind us saying that, uh, but uh, talk to us about Eric and, uh, and you know, his work. Yeah. Well, Eric Geary is uh, the president of the Lexington Leadership Foundation. It's one of uh, 79 uh, local leadership foundations in the LF network. Um, Eric uh, is, uh, and, and I'm, I'm delighted that people are going to get a chance to hear him because I think you accurately uh, described him as uh, not just author of his book that we're going to have a chance to review, uh, but uh, he is a, he's a humorist um, of, of high account. Um, Eric has been the uh, Leadership Foundation in Lexington for 10 years mm -hmm. and now actually heads up the Global Youth Initiative for Leadership Foundations. We uh, have had the good fortune here over the last couple years of developing a partnership with the Basketball Hall of Fame, with the National Basketball Retired Players Association, and then recently have received a, a grant from the Department of Justice um, all around mentoring youth. And the basic idea, Rick, is that um, in every leadership foundation around the world, uh, all, though we always will contextually respond to that city's particular issue, what we have discovered is that every city um, really is dealing with youth at some level. Yeah. And if you're going to make a city a better place, um, it ultimately comes down to engaging youth, mentoring them, and helping them develop their leadership capacities. So Eric heads that up for us and is really doing a remarkable job. Yeah, he's, in fact, uh, I don't want to, uh, I do want Eric to share this podcast with his friends and family. So this, this is going to help, but um, I also don't want him to get, uh, you know, a, an overly expanded view of himself, although <laughs> that this this will probably help that as well. But I really felt like uh, when I had a chance to, to be with Eric and hang out for a week, um, just this uh, beginning of the year, is that he, it's fun to see someone who's um, lighthearted in some ways, you know, like a, is creative uh, and, and kind of uh, understands satire and all that, but at the same time, very passionate, you know, and very intelligent. And just, it was kind of fun for me because I, I always had this idea. I wonder what Jesus was like. You know, because mm -hmm. here he was this, uh, you know, I mean, you know, fully God, fully man kind of unique character, mm -hmm. but like people wanted to be with him, mm -hmm. right? But yet was so passionate uh, about, um, you know, the world and and uh, and especially the people that were uh, in any way, um, you know, excluded or marginalized. Anyway, I just, I just, 
I, I picked up that vibe from Eric and, and I just thought, well, this is cool for me to meet Eric because I get a little picture of sort of um, uh, magnet, like the magnetism of wanting to be with somebody, but at the same time, somebody who's uh, sort of um, got a, a, a rudder, you know, that's yeah. underwater there that, you know, that is really directing what was up. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's, it's funny, we could talk a lot about this, um, but two things real quickly. Um, a very important book that uh, people might want to reference at some point, written in 1903, is Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. And I won't go into all the details, but we've talked about Chesterton yeah. and uh, the importance he is to uh, urban theology. But in this book, he talks about, you know, the orthodoxy of, of the church and why he believes it. But in the very last page, Chesterton kind of um, has this stream of consciousness and begins to de- describe that there was something about this majestic personality in Christ that was hidden. And he begins to describe it in a number of different ways. And the very last line is that he goes, um, I wonder if it was his mirth. Hmm. Um, and I've always thought, Rick, that I think what you just said, I think is absolutely right. I think at the end of the day, what we know about magnetism and big personalities, which certainly Jesus has, is that it had to have a sense of humor. And a number of years later, Elton Trubred. Um, actually wrote a book uh, called The Humor of Christ. And it was him looking at when Jesus says, uh, before, you know, you might want to take the speck out of somebody's eye, you might want to take that plank out of yours. And that in that context, um, he imagines that people were absolutely doubled over laughing at just the wonderful satire of that comment. So I I think you're absolutely right. No, I definitely... uh, uh, sort of felt that way and I always get a kick too out of when Jesus is talking to uh, all of his uh, Jewish friends and he, he tells a story about a kid who got so desperate that he ate pig food and you know I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if you, <laughs> you talk about uh, an orthodox unorthodox comment you know in that in that context so that, I think that I think it's it's uh, it's yeah. true that and so I, I, I see that and, and again, it's kind of lofty. You know, I went right past the Pope and right to Jesus for, you know, to compare Eric with. But, you know, so, but I mean, what, what I appreciate about um, uh, what Eric is contributing is not only uh, his ongoing leadership and especially his focus on youth, but his, uh, his idea that um, leadership itself, you know, has, has some dark sides, you know, and, and using satire, he kind of shines the light on, on some of these areas that, that are uh, excessive, yeah. 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 So he uh, and what we'll talk about with him is uh, he wrote a little book here last year called Louder Ship. And what he uh, essentially grabs a hold of is all of these leadership workshops that are, you know, taking place in the world about, yeah. you know, uh, thinking outside the box. And, you know, there's no I and team. And, and he turns it sort of on its head in almost the Stephen Colbert kind of way. And I think gets people laughing about some of the uh, outrageousness of almost what we might describe as the leadership cult. But how I think at the end of the day, if you're not careful, um, you get all caught up in leadership. What it ultimately does is fuel an ego that is the very problem um, that we have in many of our cities. And what I think he very subtly and humorously does is try to raise back up uh, the image that's very important to leadership foundations, and that's the servant leader. Yeah. Um, that that is what we mean by leadership. It's not just leadership. It's leadership that serves. So. And I, I always appreciate uh, 
you know, how his book uh, makes fun of uh, leadership as an industry because mm-hmm. it's become a, kind of a commodity, oh you know, where, gosh, I yeah. mean, where they're just events and books. And so, and I love the, uh, like the, some of the chapter titles, which you referenced, you know, there's no I in team, but there is an M, you know, and that kind of stuff. But one of the things I, I, I think is uh, one of my favorite chapters is if no one is following, <laughs> you know, that is a pretty good test of leadership right there, you know, and then uh, it's not your fault is another one of the titles, you know, so, so we look forward to talking to him, but uh, what are, what are we going to explore when we talk uh, to Eric? Well, I think a couple things. One is, you know, leadership foundations, again, we've talked about this and I think it bears repeating that, you know, there is a singular thing that leadership foundations do in cities around the world in many ways. And that's develop, you know, leaders uh, that drive the wheel of permanent change. And by that wheel of permanent change, we mean engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill, developing the capacity of others and creating joint um, areas of, of service. And so we'll drill down into that first point of engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill and try to talk about um, some further layers of what does it mean to actually cultivate that in your city but do it, I think, more from the, the darker side. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of those things that we have to sort of be aware of, um, you know, kind of be hypervigilant about? Um, and uh, I think we will do that with Eric. We will laugh a bit, but I think in a very profound way, um, uncover uh, those things that we need to, uh, to just be very aware of because, you know, cultivating leadership uh, in a city um, is is not for the you know the meek of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are bringing leaders together uh, to begin to consider, you know what we might be able to do together uh, that we couldn't do apart. Um, inevitably, what happens is that ego shows up, and you overlay that uh, not just with this issue of uh, leaders of good faith, right? You would think that that's at least the choir. But then you bring in leaders of, of goodwill that don't maybe necessarily share, um, you know, the same worldview, the same set of values, and yet they are absolutely critical and necessary if you're going to get anything done in the city. So, how do you navigate that world? Yeah. Right? What does that yeah. look like? Well, and even the, I think um, that imaginary divide that we've created between the sacred and the secular. Mm-hmm. Uh, is so interesting because there is a sort of a hidden hierarchy there. You know, I sometimes I tell people I I drive a sacred car, you know, <laughs> because uh, it, you know it, it, it just because it it makes you know it kind of questions the idea that you know well what do you mean I mean the, the cars are just cars, and mm-hmm. what makes them uh, you know valuable is where you drive them, mm-hmm. and I think the same thing is true in leadership. But but we get separated there. There's people who think well we're you know we're the uh, the, the people of conscience in the city. You know, mm-hmm. and then over here are the people of economy mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, th- there's no greater truth than those two communities need each other desperately. <laughs> yeah. And I think that one of the things we'll talk about, I'm sure Rick, is that, um, one of the, the intractable problems in leadership is that, you know, and I'll use you and I as an example. I mean, if you have been raised up as a leader in your church or, you know, if I've been raised up as a leader in leadership foundations, in part, I, I do so because I represent um, to my organization or you to your church um, these things that people say that's trustworthy, right? We, right? we know that Rick or Dave, when they go off to this meeting, are going to 
you know, be true to who leadership foundations are. Well, that becomes the very obstacle, um, ironically, in then engaging someone from across the aisle, right? Because you have this constituency that in effect says, uh, if you're not true, um, we will, you know, vote you out of office. We will, you know, unelect you. And that's, of course, precisely what's happening in our political process is that, you know, you are so um, bound to your constituency, but that by the time you get to the place where, you know, real stuff can get done, you, you have no latitude by which to compromise, right. to find common ground. So it's a, it's a very counterintuitive move to be able to say, you know, the best leadership here is to be able to actually hold loosely to your leadership that you've been in effect deemed, you know, yeah. and so that's tough. Yeah, it is. And it, it's even reflected in like, I always get a kick out of the nightly news where they have uh, ads that we can trust the anchor person, you know, that this news is, you know, is trustworthy. And mm-hmm. really what we have are, are people that are trained to read the teleprompters, you know, but, but we, there's a sense in which we're not sure if we can trust even, you know, what's being reported. And I think that goes all the way to leaderships in cities. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's an important aspect because, um, the, the, the idea that people of, of good faith, uh, actually embody goodwill is, is sometimes debatable mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the opposite can be true. So for, for, uh, um, you know, the, the wheel of permanent change to be sort of hinged on this idea of getting these people, these, you know, everybody together, yeah. you know, who has something to contribute is I think one of the great distinctives of the leadership foundation, yeah. you know, versus trying to mobilize just one community, you know, or one group. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, and again, going back to your point about, um, uh, Eric and, and being a humorist on a very practical level, the ability, um, to, um, laugh at oneself, um, and, and actually to um, insert a kind of humor uh, becomes actually one of the most powerful tools I know um, to creating the kind of collective leadership, um, people of good faith and goodwill that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think about my own life again and some of the people whose you know, team I've been willing to join or when I think about leadership foundations and partnerships with other organizations, and I would be um, lying if I didn't say it greatly helps when I see a person sitting across the table from me that knows how to laugh, uh, that knows how to not take themselves so deadly serious as though, you know, everything depends on that. And I think the Loudership book and that concept um, really gets to that, that essential element in uh, servant leadership, which is just have a sense of humor. Yeah, and I think the... the uh the concept that, you know, that you can make fun of yourself, you know, like you said, not take yourself too seriously, that self-deprecating kind of, uh, it's as a, a kind of a nuanced quality that we, that we look for in a leader because mm-hmm. it's those folks who actually take, um, very seriously what's going on in their city, mm-hmm. but not themselves. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what we see, you know, and that's what we're talking about with Eric and his book. And so looking forward to that, um, uh, we had a quote here that I thought was pretty clever, and I think it's because you wrote it. So <laughs> <laughs> give us that quote. This is, uh, this is from, actually, was this a streetlight quote that you, you wrote? Yeah, it, uh, again, is, is uh, our monthly streetlight um, you know, um, article that goes out each month. We are trying to, uh, again, talk about what this uh, 
uh, driving the permanent wheel of change looks like around these three functions. And so we, uh, we said this, engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill to tackle a city's greatest challenges carries with it a particular importance. It is hard to overstate how imperative this function is in making a city better. The first key is the recognition that nothing, no amount of money, programs, grants, outcomes can compensate for a lack of resourceful, resourceful, reflective, and resilient leadership. Many cities in the world have had more than their fair share of resources and are now worse off than they were before. The answer, at least from LF's vantage point, is that the genuine is the question of leadership is overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's why uh, we're called the Leadership Foundation, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, uh, somebody once asked me now, is that that foundation, do they give away money? Do they give away programs? Do they give away grants? Do they give away? And I said, no, they give away leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the great distinctive that, you know, is important and it's certainly not the only ones working on leadership, but um, that have a focus on, um, you know, the urban centers around the world. And uh, we just want everyone who's listening to um, help others to get connected to our podcast. And uh, so if you're a podcast listener and you understand how to subscribe, um, you know, circle the wagons, you know, and, and tell your your friends and your associates that, you know, they can go to the uh, the website at leadershipfoundations.org and click on subscribe and right there on their phone will uh, appear every new episode that we create. So that's exactly. always good. Yeah. So we look forward to this feature-length podcast coming up later this month. Talk to you later, Dave. All right. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick.